Welcome to the third episode of The Bounce Pass, everybody. I'm your host, Stephen Abramo, and I'm joined by my three colleagues today. Returning member, Connor Longin, and two new members, Jeff Four and Robert Elian. Hopefully you guys were able to read through the outline that I was able to post in the chat. Um, so, Connor, this isn't really new to him. He was on the last episode, but uh, Jeff... Uh, and Robert, you guys are, you guys are new. This is your first time here, but, uh, just to kind of a quick run through what we're going to be talking about tonight, you know, a big reason why I did bring Jeff on was because of his strong chiefs knowledge and just the NFL in general. Uh, so we're going to be talking about just the chiefs and the Eagles kind of just season recap, kind of what, what went down, kind of their expectations moving forward. Uh, just kind of a very light NFL draft, talk about some of the prospects. And then, Rob, I know you've been wanting just to talk about the uh, the NBA and uh, your Lakers and the Chris Hopps-Porzingis deal and the Anthony Davis. Uh, we'll end with those two topics, so we'll probably try to get those four in tonight. All right, cool. Uh, Whatever. So we're going to get things going with, with the Chiefs. Jeff's probably very still. He's probably still upset about the uh, AFC Championship game. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, uh, it's funny because here's what you have to ask yourself: is it is it worse to get outplayed all game and then in some ways blow it in the end, or is it worse if you are, if you outplay the Patriots and still find a way to lose? Because, truth be told, the Patriots outplayed the Chiefs, I mean, in the first half especially. I mean, thank goodness Tom Brady threw the end zone interception, or, it, you know, it could have gotten ugly. But, you know, the Chiefs battled back. You know, and D. Ford, obviously... Okay, so there's a lot of plays throughout a game. You can't just pinpoint one play. But I think the reason it's easy to, to get irritated with that is just that lining up is something that you're taught in peewee football, right? You know, to be on side. So, man, that's a, that's a rough way to lose one, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there, there was a lot of <laughs> plays in that game. I mean, obviously, hey, D4 lines up correctly. Chiefs probably move on, and we probably wouldn't have had to see one of the worst Super Bowls in recent memory. But you know, th- there was a lot of plays. I did think, you know, when the like the first half they got outplayed. Uh, I will say a lot of the credit does go more, to, in my opinion, towards Belichick than anything. Yeah, uh, a lot more so than Brady. But you know, kind of now that the season is over completely for just throughout the NFL. Do you think since really the Chiefs made the AFC Championship game on a first-year quarterback, sorry, first-year starting quarterback with Mahomes, would you deem the season successful, Jeff? I think I think Mahomes spoiled us a little bit, right? You know, so it's like if before the season somebody would say Kansas City would make it to the AFC Championship, they'd finally get over that hurdle of winning a home game in the playoffs because that was a you know that was the giant not even a monkey that was a gorilla on the franchise's back they just couldn't win a home playoff game so they got that out of the way they took the patriots to overtime so it's not as though they didn't show well i mean in the first half they didn't show well 
So I think if you're looking at it realistically, you still have to say that it was a successful season because you have your franchise quarterback. He turned out to be even better than what you thought he would be. Obviously, there needs to be some fixes on defense, and you have to be careful. You know, you do have to be careful on offense, keep your guys healthy, make sure you continue to add talent. You know, a couple 2015, the Pittsburgh Steelers had Martavis Bryant, Antonio Brown, and Le'Veon Bell, and everybody said, well, they're going to score 35 points a game for the next five years. Well, you know, you get a contract dispute, you have a couple injuries, you have a guy pop a drug test, and before you know it, now the Steelers are probably going to be trading Brown. And So I guess my point is you can't just assume that the offense mm-hmm. is going to be this prolific for the next five years. You, you hope that it is, and I think that they have a very good chance to be because they'll lock up their young players. You know, the, the thing that stinks is the, the Kareem Hunt thing. You know, I mean, that, that really ended – I think that ended up costing them more than people realize. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, overall, though, if you go into the season, you say, hey, we're starting a 23-year-old first-time starter and we're going to end it in the AFC Championship game going into overtime with a chance to go to the Super Bowl, even though it's frustrating the way it happened and it's, it's never fun to lose an AFC Championship game, I, I still think most people would have considered that a successful season. Yeah. You know, I would agree with uh, your Kareem Hunt statement. I think in the current realm, just in in the actual, in in the 2018 spectrum, I thought the loss of Kareem Hunt, I don't think hurt as much because I think Damian Williams really fit that offense. And, you know, they gave him two years for $8 million. But, there were times, I think, in that game against in, in the uh, AFC Championship game where they needed Kareem Hunt to get a couple yards, uh, especially on third down, especially on fourth down. But I, I do think all the pressure is on Brett Veach to nail his draft picks, especially on defense. Connor, do you have uh, a similar kind of say as what Jeff had? Because I know, I mean, from an Eagles background, you guys have, have a little bit of a different – uh, situation on your hands, but would you kind of agree that Chiefs, it was a successful season? Definitely was. I mean, you got a 23-year-old uh, quarterback that has shown that he, um, I've said it multiple times that I think Patrick Mahomes now is in one season has shown me that he's the most talented quarterback in the in the league. Um, and I don't mean he's the best. I, I just mean strictly talent-wise. Um, there's no one that really competes with them. Uh, I think really what held the Chiefs back, um, I really hate to blame people, but... uh, Oh, you're going to blame Andy Reid. Sutton was just horrible. Ah, I I thought, you know, I thought Chip Kelly was bad when he didn't adjust. But then I watched more of the Chiefs as the season uh, went on, and I'm just like, wow. He's getting thrashed up the middle with run after run after run, and yet there's no adjustments being made. Now, I granted, I know there's there's a lot of circumstances with uh, Eric Berry being hurt. I mean, Eric Berry is your be do all be all in the back, uh, as safety, bring him in the box, plays linebacker. I know that affected the their performance and defense, but still. There's no excuse for a coach not to make an adjustment. 
I I have a history with Steve Spagnuolo as well. I've seen um, seen what he can do. He uh, he does know defense. Um, that's one thing he does know. I know he struggled as a head coach and whatnot, and he has struggled as a defensive coordinator before. But he also has had years where his defense has played really well, and he knows defense. I think really uh, most important things they need to help on the defensive side, because as I'll say. The NFL is changing, football is changing, but one constant will always stay the same, and that's defense will win championships. Whether it's a whole game or one play, defense will always win championships. That's just how it comes down to. Uh, because now the league is, you got to stop, stop how you win is you stop the other team from scoring. If it's once, twice, I don't know, with the powerful offense. So it's really you got to stop them from scoring. Because you're not going to score more than a lot of these teams out here, like the Chiefs, the Rams, with all these high-powered offense. So you just got to stop them from scoring. But I think them finally getting rid of Sutton, uh, Sutton is going to be big for next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I did. I do think uh, the Sutton move was kind of a year or two too late. I thought Chiefs probably should have moved on from him. Uh, as soon as they blew the 21-3 lead against the Titans, but, you know, Andy Reid showed his loyalty, and I think it did bite him in this game. You know, I, I just – part of me feels like a lot of it was on Sutton, but a lot of it was just the personnel they had there. So I, th- I think the, the personnel needs to be better. I don't think anyone's going to argue that. The secondary was lacking talent. With that said, when it's third and ten – and you have your safeties play 30 yards deep against the quarterback that never throws at 30 yards. It doesn't matter if you have Ronnie Lott back there. You're, you're basically eliminating your safety from the play. So my, my frustration was just that. So the reason Belichick is maybe the best football coach of our lifetime, maybe, is that he doesn't care if he beats you 54, 51, or 13, 10. He, he game plans for you, and he finds your weakness, and he attacks it, and he plays within that. To me, it felt like Bob Sutton decided he was going to play that two-over press man defense no matter what, and Edelman and Gronk just absolutely took their took them behind the woodshed. I mean, I, I don't want to beat on Eric Berry because obviously he had an injury, wasn't he wasn't right. You know, Gronk is you know, three months away from needing a walker and Eric Berry got run off the field. (laughs) So, you know, unfortunately that just wasn't one of Berry's better showings. But the thing is after the second or third time he got beat, then he shouldn't have been hung out to dry one-on-one with Gronk. And Mm -hmm. he he just kept continuing to get hung out to dry. Okay. Um, So before we transition into a little bit about the Eagles, because I know Connor has some things to say. Jeff, what do you think the Chiefs kind of do with some of their contracts, uh, like Eric Berry, like even just Houston? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a believer that Justin Houston is still a quality player. You know, if you look at it this year, if he plays 16 games, he ends up with somewhere between 10 and 15 sacks. When you look at the opponents that he missed, but there lies the issue. You pay a guy $20 million a year and he plays 12 games a season. So I see both sides of the argument. I think if you get rid of Justin Houston, you would really struggle to replace his production. I I don't think there's a guy out there that's going to actually hit the free agent market or that you can draft year one 
that will replace his production. So I understand the argument. You can't pay giant money to a guy that always misses games. And unfortunately for Houston lately, that's been the case with Eric Berry. I mean, that's, I mean, you see some reports out there that seem to think that he can get the surgery and get back on track. Maybe he can follow the JJ JJ Watt route, who had a two or three year span that it just seemed like he always had bad luck with injuries, but now he's back to being great. But I'm afraid with Barry, you're going to be put in a bad spot with the dead money. But the thing is, you know, Barry hasn't really played in two years. I mean, he played a couple games this year. He played what three games? And they lost all three games that he played in. So I, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked either way. I wouldn't be shocked if Barry and Houston are both gone. I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to keep them. But they can't. They can't. Unfortunately, they can't be there at their current numbers. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that with if let, let's say the Chiefs move on from Justin Houston, do you think that affects D Forge production? Oh, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I think it does. Okay. I I do think D's the better pass rusher right now. I think he he was he's more he's well I can't say he's more versatile because he relies on the speed rush a lot. Mm-hmm. But I do think teams more consistently had the double D forward than they did Houston. So I would think that the only the only issue is, you know, if you have a team that has one good tackle, they still have to chip whichever guy isn't going against that tackle and as recent as the Colts game I mean against the Colts Justin Houston was a difference maker you could argue that he played the best the best game of anybody on the defense against the Colts you know so I just I think it just comes down to where do they feel comfortable financially and do they think he can stay healthy and Barry Barry's completely different with Barry it's just do you even think he can play football again and do it with any level of competent play right uh i do feel though that they're probably gonna ride barry out for this year i do think the chiefs their better options is just to go is to go young you know they they got rid of ron parker i feel like jordan lucas is fine at the safety position but they're gonna have to draft veach is gonna have to make some very good picks because i think going into the free agency market especially on the defensive side whether it be corner uh, or safety, is risky. I mean, look what look what the, look what happened to the Chiefs. They made the move for Anthony Hitchens. It didn't pan out, and I do think that uh, it's a big risk because you could you could hit on a free agent, or you, you can't. So uh, hopefully, I do think the Chiefs can maybe make the right decision. So just to speed things up a little bit before we enter the kind of the NFL draft talk, Connor, kind of tell me what you guys you guys feel like after the season. I mean, you guys came off of the Super Bowl last year. You guys were able to sneak your way into the playoffs as a sixth seed. You guys made to the divisional round. Do you guys view that as a successful season? It depends how you look at it, I think. If you're looking at it as – as a season after a Super Bowl, so much hype and so much, um, so much uh, excitement about this season that you could say no, it wasn't a success. If you look at it, how I look at it is that this team was flawed from the beginning, and that Super Bowl, a Super Bowl high, is is a is a real thing. And to win a playoff game again with with a backup quarterback who has shown 
past two years that he might not be a backup. He probably isn't a backup in this league. Yeah, it was a successful season. You know, I could be saying the same thing about our season that that you guys say about D Ford. Um, you know, if Alshon Jeffrey catches that ball. I did see some rumors that the Eagles were not going to franchise tag Nick Foles and that the move that they're going to be going with is probably just trading him. I mean, I would say that's the, that's probably the safe option and just ride with Carson Wentz, right? I agree with you. So that's probably going to be the option. But to be able to trade him now, they're going to have to franchise him because they picked up his their side of the option, the $20 million option today. And then about an hour later, news broke that he had paid the $2 million to the Eagles to buy his, pretty much buy his way into free agency. So I, I think they're going to franchise tag him, but I think he knows that which is good for him because he'll get $26 million instead of 22 roughly. Mm-hmm. I mean, excuse me, 20 And um, And I think the Eagles are going to get a pick for him. I wish Nick Foles the best. I really do. I can't explain to you why he's had success in this league. Just he's been, he's been really, really, I just can't explain to you the success. It's just something inexplicable. It's like magic. But Carson Wentz, he's the future. Mm-hmm. Um so I think, and I think they're going to be active in free agency. Like the Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to have that window with Pat Mahomes being on his rookie deal, being able to be a little more active with the contracts they give out and such. Um, this is kind of the the year that um, Carson, for us, Carson Wentz is going to probably get his extension. Um, so there's going to be a lot of money moved around. Howie Roseman has shown time and time again that he's fantastic with the cap. Just got seven and a half million dollars by restructuring Ronnie McLeod's deal, um, so I think they're going to be a little. I think they're going to be active in free agency. I think they're actually going to go after the pass rushers. That's something we need. I don't know if if we can get a Jadavian Clowney as an upgrade over a Brandy Graham. Say, I'm I'm all for it. Um, and I'm this year's really the draft is important too. The one thing about the the one bright spot about the season that I real I mean there was multiple but one thing I took from the season is how well the secondary played down the stretch um, and these guys that were pretty much coming off the street like Avante Maddox showed that he was worth a fourth round pick Russell Douglas shows that he, he knows how to tackle I wish they would move him to safety Trayvon LeBlanc came out of nowhere and he showed up in the in the biggest game of the season against the Saints so I, I uh, like I said, I think it really was a successful season, but I think they still have a lot of holes that they need to fill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I want to make sure Robert g- gets his say, so we're going to try to swiftly move to just some NFL draft talk. Uh, Robert, feel free to uh, add your input about the NFL draft, but uh, Connor, what is kind of your impression on the quarterback landscape? Do you feel like it's a very – light draft class this year? Because in my opinion, I do feel like Dwayne Haskins is the number one prospect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the quarterback for me, the quarterback outside of Dwayne Haskins, I think Drew Locke's going to be a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. Interested, I'm really interested to see about Kyler Murray and what the situation is, yeah. whether he is using this as a ploy to get more money out of the athletics or he's actually considering – uh, playing football, I think if Kyler Murray's in the draft and he decides he wants to play football, he's a first-round draft pick. No questions asked. Really? Um, okay. And then I think the other the other wild card 
because you always you always can predict that a team is going to reach for a quarterback in the first round. And I think the other quarterback that we could see go in the first round is uh, Daniel Jones from Duke. He didn't have a really good senior bowl um, as well as they expected him to have, but he's got uh, he's got arm strength and he's a big bodied quarterback, which is this is where the NFL goes. That's what they want. And I see I could see him being a one of those reach picks in the first round to say a team that is not in the top 10, top 15. Um, maybe you could see him if he slides, maybe uh, New England looks at a quarterback because as much as we like to say, Tom Brady didn't look that great in the Super Bowl. I don't know. He's worst Super Bowl I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I'll tell Sorry. you, dude, it was no, you're right. a nightmare. Um, but he's Tom Brady's 41, so maybe the Patriots need to start thinking about getting a replacement. But outside of that, that's why I'm pretty excited about the Nick Foles trade market because I don't think that the I don't think the draft is really that high or really stacked with quarterback prospects. Mm-hmm. So, um, but uh, D line prospects now we're just oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got uh, Quinn Williams from Alabama, Josh Allen. Uh, Ed Oliver, who had, I mean, he had an up and down. I, I thought he played pretty well, but you know, there were some. I mean, there were some games where he actually didn't play at Houston. Going back a little bit to your Kyler Murray take, I did find that interesting that you do think that he's a first round draft pick. Kind of explain why you feel that you know he would get drafted because if if he's a first round pick, he probably is going to be the fifth quarterback. I would say maybe taken. Um. Yeah. I I do I do think he's going to be a. If he if he decided to be a um, if he decided that he wanted to play football, I think he would be a first round pick. He's kind of a wild card of the draft, really, because honestly, I think there's a bunch of places that he could go, and there's a bunch of spots, whether it's in the top of the round or the bottom of the round. Um, really, it depends on who wants to get a little risky and who wants to make a little noise. Um, but the arm strength is unquestionable mm-hmm. his speed is another dynamic he he's yeah he's on the smaller side but you know teams have shown i mean we're a year we're a year away we were we're a year from baker mayfield being the top pick in the draft and you know that worked baker mayfield uh has got a he's got a bright future ahead of him in the draft so i don't think teams are as a scared of picking a smaller quarterback as they once were. And when you got the intangibles of Kyler Murray, it's just it's kind of icing on the cake. Okay, so what teams do you kind of think that maybe would be in play for him? Would, would, would the Patriots be a team that would actually try to take a stab at him? You know, if they felt that the good thing about the Patriots would be a great spot for him, um, just because Tom Brady, he's not done. And I do think Kyler Murray, if he wants to go to the NFL, is going to need a little more development time. I think there's stuff that he needs to work on. Again, I always think there's a learning curve coming from college to the professional level where with the college offenses are a lot different than NFL offenses. I think that the NFL game is going moving more towards a college offensive uh, level. But yeah. going up to New England, that Bill Belichick, I mean, they do they do things differently up there. It's a whole different culture. So I think New England would be a good spot for him. 
I think Dwayne Haskins is going number six to New York. I think that is kind of what's going to happen. And I think right after that, Jacksonville is another team that I would, if Jacksonville's feeling up to it at seven, they could pick him there. And as they're being rumored as one of the teams that's uh, going for Nick Foles, maybe you, Nick, you pair Nick Foles with Kyler Murray. And I think there's a few other teams, maybe like Cincinnati, because we all know that, uh, I hate Andy Dalton. I think he's the worst quarterback that's ever played the game. Whoa there. <laughs> um, wow. Not, right. I don't I don't think he's the worst that ever have played. You seen I J- think Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton is trash. I mean, have you seen Nathan Peterman? Hey man, Nathan Peterman, I saw him in pit. He was a he was a dime in pit. No, yeah, you're right, but um I think Cincinnati could be a look. Miami's also interesting. Last I heard, Miami's going to cut Tannehill. I think it's it's a very there are a lot of places that if they again if they want to get mm-hmm. risky and they're doing it strictly on intangibles and and talent and Kyler Murray is a very viable option in the first round if he wants to play football. Yeah. He better find the weight room though, man. He better he better find that deadlift bar and live beside it because. I'm not worried about his height, but have you guys seen pictures of him next to other players? Like, he is he is tiny. He, I mean, is. he is like, he looks like a baseball player. That's all. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't have the skill set, but if he goes into the NFL the way he's built right now, man, he the better put th- behind the line that never lets him get touched. The good thing about that is that strength is one of those things where it's easy to add. And it's something that if you work diligently at it, you can work, you can, uh, you can gain, uh, make improvements in that area. But faith is like arm strength and speed and that kind of stuff. You can't really change that. Um, and he's got it. Kyler Murray's got both of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, you gotta, at one point I agree with you, but then at the other point, like he, You know, he might be uh, based on those two things. He might be one of the he might be the best quarterback that's even available in the draft. Okay, like to say that I do agree with your point about you know colleges systems, college concepts are kind of making their way in the NFL. I mean, just look at uh, the MVP, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Baker Mayfield. I think a little bit even with Mitch Trubisky. Uh, So yeah, I, I definitely think Murray can be successful, but I think it's just going to be the right system. Jeff, do you have before we transition to the NBA uh, with uh, with Anthony Davis and Chris Hopkins' talk? Uh, Jeff, is there any other quarterback prospects or just prospects in general that really catch your eye? No, I was just going to say, I think free agency this year. So every every year when we go into the draft, everybody talks highly about a couple quarterbacks because we always assume there has to be good quarterbacks in every draft which is how you end up with E.J. Manuel being a top 15 pick, you know, which should have never happened. But my point with saying that is I am anxious to see what happens with Foles, Flacco, and Tannehill. Because if teams aggressively go after them, that tells me that there's a lot of fluffery around the quarterbacks in the draft. If those guys take a while to land a team, then maybe the executives really do like the, the young guys in this draft. I think your teams like Jacksonville, may, maybe the Giants. I mean, the Giants always feel like they're one year away for some reason. I mean, they're, they're a really good 
they're, they're a really good franchise. I mean, when they're good, they win Super Bowls, so I'm not knocking them. But they could surprise you and go after a veteran. Um, but all I'm saying is I'm anxious to see what happens when free agency starts because if teams are pumped to get flack over Tannehill, that should tell us that Drew Locke and the rest of the, the crowd may not be as NFL-ready as we think they might be. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a good point. Um, okay, so since we've got most of the NFL talk kind of out of the way, uh, we're actually going to be talking about the NBA. We're going to be transitioning to, uh, into basketball. I know this was a big topic for Rob. Oh, man, what a disaster is going on right now, man. <laughs> Yeah. Um, not only did your Lakers uh, get pounded by 42, but uh, I mean, you, you saw Brandon Ingram get, uh, get you know, get chance rained, rained on him about like what? Uh, get they, they said uh, LeBron's going to trade yeah, you. Yeah, LeBron's going to trade you. LeBron. Uh, I thought I thought his name was Brandon Wiggins. <laughs> yeah. God, Robert, what's your just, I know you, you've just been so, so animated with uh the lakers what give me just give me your stance on why do you think the lakers should just stay pat and not go after anthony davis it's definitely a unique it's definitely a unique uh opinion it's too much man i mean you know you give up two fr- so let me back up a little bit so and was it 2012 when they when the lakers got dwight howard and they got rid of Bina? they they traded i think that they were in the uh almost got rid of some of their first round picks and look where that put them. Um, I don't think they lost any of them. I can't remember. Um, but my problem is trading your future away to be competitive for three years when you can be competitive for 10 years or more. Mm-hmm. Um, Ingram has all the tools. It's really up to him to put those tools to work. Kyle Kuzma was a draft steal, and I think that he's going to be really good. I think he'll be a top 15 player in the next couple of years. Um, wow. I, I really do think that, man. Um, if you look at what's going on with this franchise, you look at – there's two key players that I look at now that are having success away from from that franchise. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? You're talking about D'Angelo Russell? And Julius Randle. Julius, yeah. The Lakers letting letting Julius Randle walk away was probably the best thing that could have happened to that kid. He wouldn't have this opportunity in LA right now. I don't think. I don't think he would. I think he'd be on the bench again. And the Lakers wanted to draft Lonzo Ball, um, so they got rid of D'Angelo Russell. What is this, what a mistake that was. I don't know if it's. So I saw somebody ask a question earlier about, you know, is this a problem with the coaching and management or LeBron? And I think it's both. I think there's a problem with LeBron's kind of a diva and he wants all his buddies with him. And then Luke Wall. And I think that uh, Palenka understands the business side of things, but I don't think that he understands really not explain it. I, I don't think that he knows how valuable it's going to be to keep your future first round draft picks, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart and Kyle Kuzma, and even Zubats at this point, because when that kid plays, and he gets minutes. He's productive. I think the I said I sent you guys a picture. You see, the entire team is sitting away from LeBron, or LeBron is sitting away from them in this in this photograph. I mean, there's there's <laughs> there's three seats between like Brandon Ingram, Zubots, Tyson Chandler, and McGee. I think it was, and LeBron's at the end of the bench. And and I don't know 
I mean, I'd be pretty upset to lose to the Pacers without Victor Oladipo by that much. But it didn't even look like anybody tried tonight. I turned it off in the middle of the third quarter because it was just, it was a pathetic game. And I don't know if the morale is down. I'm sure it is with these guys, with these young kids. And when you start throwing these trade rumors around, like, I mean, these kids probably just feel like they're trash at this point because the Lakers are so willing to give, oh, it's not that they're willing to just give one guy away. They're willing to give up potentially six guys for one man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you made it, yeah. Uh, I mean, the Lakers did actually back out of the deal. The I believe yesterday, their, their offer was just absolutely outrageous. It was Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, and two first-round picks. It's a good old six for two. Huck, dude, they're just selling their farm. for. And, you know, I do think that Davis is a guy that the Lakers – should go after. And, you know, in my opinion, I just feel like the window with LeBron is really important here because he's 34. This is his last contract. Uh, you don't know how long he has left. And plus, he's in a, he's in a really loaded conference. Uh, I will say the top of the Eastern Conference is better than the top of the West, in my opinion. But, you know, the Lakers are going to have to go through Denver, Golden State, Houston, uh, Oklahoma City. And I think for them to get to that level and have a chance to knock those teams off, they, they would have to take a, a big move to to get Davis. Here, can I let me like let me ask you a question real quick. So say the say the Lakers and the Pelicans and all those guys are gone, you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. Who do you have left? See see that that's that's the problem. I mean, I do think though that the Lakers would have to be smart with their their decisions. I would say they would they would have to at least put one or two guys that they know uh, are part of their, like the young guys part of their future. They would make them untouchable. I, I do think Kyle Kuzma is like an untouchable player for the Lakers. Uh, I wouldn't trade him. I would try to do everything you can to keep him on that team. I, and 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 they're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place in a way because I think giving away either Kuzma or Ingram it will hurt them later. I think the smartest thing for the Lakers right now is to play this season out. I mean, they're 27 and 20 now after tonight. They're 500 out in the West. You're not making the playoffs this year. It's not going to happen, especially now if, if there's no trade made. Even if there was a trade made, I think even if you got Davis now, you're still not going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't think you will. And if you do, you're going to get swept. And you can't get rid of – of the of your two point guards you can't do it this is a point this is a league where you have to have a point guard to be successful and if you don't have a point guard you're not going to win and uh, rondo's not a scorer he's not a good shooter but rondo can make plays for everybody he makes everybody look better than they really are i mean you saw that when you've seen it everywhere he's gone he's kind he's kind of think he's been good for this team this year Lonzo, uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a dominant shooter or scorer, but he's going to be a really good defender. If there's anybody that I would be willing to trade right now, it would be these are the only two guys I would say get rid of is Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. That's it. I think just the big issue that the Lakers would have is I don't know if they could get, they probably aren't going to get Anthony Davis if they want to just trade their suit. But like I said, if the, I think if their assessment is similar to yours where you just want to build through youth then yeah i think that's a good assessment jeff 
or Connor. I know both of you guys uh, do have some some good insight about just the NBA in general. This is a, a question that both of you guys could answer. Other than the Lakers, since the Lakers backed up, what do you think is probably the best team for Davis, what team has the most offered New Orleans? I think he could fit in well with Boston, but I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, it, if I'm not mistaken, his dad already already spoke out against it and doesn't want him to go there. Mm-hmm. And the, the other thing with Boston is that, you know, after they made their run last year, everybody assumed, you know, you get um, Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving back. And they're just going to be that much better. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it, it hasn't quite played out like that. Um, so I guess the point is, if you're Boston, you may be actually looking to move a few guys to get rid of some of the clutter. And if you can get a guy like Anthony Davis, you know, obviously he would help them. Uh, but I just, you know, that's kind of like a video game trade. But <laughs> functionally in real life. I'll be honest. I, I just I don't think any trade's going to happen with him. I think he's going to play out the season and then probably draw it out in the summer too. Right. I I agree. I I don't I don't think Davis has moved until the summertime. Well, yeah. I mean, I think going to put my uh, Boston Celtics hat on uh, here and say <laughs> if that's the situation, that probably works out better for Boston because they can't make a move for him until July first because. Uh, Kyrie Irving's contract, he's the, uh, I believe, a Rose rule player, so they can they can only make a, a run with him in the summer. But problem with the with Boston is the fact that their biggest selling point for Davis, as of right now, is not committed to Boston. Anthony Davis is only going to come to Boston if Kyrie Irving's locked up. If he, if Kyrie Irving is signs the max contract and he's there for five more years. If Kyrie Irving leaves to New York, goes anywhere else in free agency and is not committed, they're not going to get Anthony Davis. So I think the problem is Boston's biggest selling point is not committed to the team right now, just in, in the long term. But Celtics have probably the most assets. They can give up Jalen Brown. They have their they have four first-round picks. That probably they can get one of them they can give up. You know, I'm a big Marcus Smart fan, but hey. Marcus Smart probably can be a guy that they could end up trading. Uh, I would say if the Celtics were to make a move for Davis, it would be probably Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. I would say a sign-in trade with Terry Rozier and maybe a first-round pick. But, again, just what Jeff alluded to about his his dad had remarks about the Boston free agency uh, with how, I mean, you can go back to what they did with Ray Allen and how they handled the Isaiah Thomas situation. You know, Danny Ainge is a ruthless man. He is ruthless. He doesn't care. He does not care. Um, from the basketball standpoint, trading an injured Isaiah Thomas, who probably maxed out the most. I mean, the dude was probably not going to get 29 a game ever again. And he came off his uh, his uh, hip injury. You, I mean, they traded him for, you know, they put Dre Crowder, uh, Zizic, a bag of chips, and they got Kyrie Irving, a top-ten player. <laughs> but but Danny Ainge was not smart. I mean, the way that he handled it was not good. He didn't contact Isaiah Thomas uh, throughout the entire process. He just called him up and said, hey, Isaiah, we traded you. Like, you know, he, 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 was, he didn't do a good job interacting with them. So, yeah, I do think the way the Boston has handled their free agency and through trades have been uh, an issue. 
Um, like I said the only players I would say that are untouchable for Boston is uh, is Kerry if he's committed and uh, Al Horford and Gordon Hayward. But man, Gordon Hayward, this it, it, this is uh, for another episode. Don't even get me started with Gordon Hayward. He has not played up to his potential. Anyway, Connor, kind of give me what you what's your opinion on the matter uh, with Davis before we kind of transition into uh, the last part of the show with Chris Sops Porzingis. Trade Joel Embiid. <laughs> um, I want to say before I talk about Anthony Davis that um, I do not agree with Max Kellerman's real hot take about trading Joel Embiid for Anthony Davis. <laughs> I think that is dumb. And I think he said the, his excuse was that Joel Embiid's injury history, um, the, you got to trade him. But Anthony Davis, past two years, has played 116 games. Ooh. And the past two years, Joel Embiid has played 112 games. Oh, man. So, good stuff. Take, take that as you will, but on to Anthony Davis. I think um, I'm really interested, but I think Portland could make a strong run at Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Oh. I really do. Um, well, I think Portland is really not a talked-about team. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think that many people respect Portland when – Portland, I Portland's a good team. I mean, Rob would know because he's on the West Coast. Portland is a very good team, um, and I think they have. You know, there's where I live. There are a lot of Blazers fans, and uh, you know, you got that backcourt with McCollum and Lillard, and you got Nurkic up there. I I I agree wholeheartedly, hundred percent. But people are sleeping on Portland, and I think I think they have pieces that would interest New Orleans. Um, I think Zach Collins is a very interesting young piece. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think if they really want to get crazy, which I think they could if they wanted to, um, you you center the trade around uh, Nurkic. Mm -hmm. And uh, now I know that's a lot, but... Hey, Anthony Davis, you want Anthony Davis on your team or you want Nurkic on your team? Like, right. I'm, I know Nurkic is good, but Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis. Um, now, you pair Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, and CJ McCollum as a top three, as a big three. I'll take that big three all day, every day, and Sunday. Um, I think. Do I what I think is going to happen though? Because I don't think Portland's going to make that deal. I could see the Clippers, uh, the Clippers of Boston making a big play for him. Um, I really do. I don't think this trade's going to happen in the next few days. Uh, I think this is going to happen in the in the off season. But uh, I mean, you never know. Uh, Clippers, I keep an eye on. They might get aggressive getting some big stars to come to L.A., just the bad part of L.A. <laughs> oh, man. Ruthless, Connor. Uh, yeah, no doubt I'll have my uh, woes notifications on. Uh, that is interesting that you, that you bring up Portland. I mean, last year, you know, Ky- uh, Kawhi Leonard really was not in on the uh, Toronto Raptors. Trade. He wasn't, you know, 
Toronto was kind of out of the ballpark, uh, and they were able to swoop in and get him. Uh, so yeah, that does make a little of sense. You know, kind of an under radar, under the radar team. I I don't know though if if Nurkic. So you think it's just going to be Nurkic and Collins for Davis? Because I feel no, like no, no, no. It'd definitely be more than that. Um, I think that's a pretty good center. I think that's a pretty good start though. Now, do I think it's as good as Boston? What Boston can offer? Absolutely not. But um, I think it's a I think it's a competitive start. And to be quite honest with you, in in that in the proposed Lakers deal that they offered, the only player that I would have to think about taking over Nurkic would be Kuzma. I think Nurkic is better than Ball and Ingram, and that's not that's not necessarily a slight on them. That's just more of a praise for Nurkic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think it would be a very I think they have this the stuff to make a competitive offer. It's just a fact of whether they make the offer or not. Those are some good points. So I think th- as I mentioned before, the last point that we're going to be talking about uh, is the Kristaps Porzingis to Dallas move. Uh, it happened a couple days ago, so it's not as recent um, as it could be, but still a very interesting move in the NBA. Uh, yeah, I, this one kind of was very surprising. Uh, I mean, Dallas, I thought probably got the better end of the deal, you know, getting, getting Chris stops, getting Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway and Courtney Lee. Uh, but they shipped out Dennis Smith, DeAndre Jordan and Wesley Matthews. Um, I think that though this move really puts a lot of pressure on New York to actually get a free agent, a big guy, Tobias Harris and, uh, Carmelo Anthony, on those type of guys, like this is the they have seventy four million in cap space. This move to me probably tells me that the Knicks are trying to go big and getting like a Kevin Durant, a Kyrie Irving, uh, even a Kawhi Leonard. But uh, so Zion Williamson, do, yeah, Zion Williamson, yeah, man. yeah, R J Barrett. Um, this I said this question's kind of opened up uh, to all you guys, but uh, you know, was this I mean was this a really good move for New York? I. I... I think it was if uh, if they had qualms about keeping Porzingis or Porzingis had qualms about the direction of the team, he would leave in free agency anyway. So fair to clear up all that cap space. I mean, they can buy out DeAndre Jordan and they can buy out Wesley Matthews if they want. Um, I'm not sure, but my my the, the point I want to get to with this real quick is that who wants to go play for that front office? I'm a star. I don't. Um, the Knicks don't, they haven't been good. I think the last time I remember them actually being good was when Stephon Marbury was still in the league. Um, they had a couple good years with Carmelo. Yeah. But I mean, it's that, that, that team, that front office, man. I mean, they're, they're almost on par with the stupidity the Lakers are at right now. Um, Jeez. yeah, I, you know, I don't know, man. I, if, if I'm Kevin Durant or Kawhi Leonard, I want nothing to do with the Knicks. Nothing. Toxic. Yep. Every year the Knicks so. try to every year the Knicks try to convince us that they're gonna get stars because <laughs> just because they're New York and it never happens. I mean I agree, I agree with Connor. Their their front office is a mess. It doesn't matter if they have a billion dollars in cap space, nobody's gonna go play for them. Yeah, it's terrible. Um I, I don't I I think it's a big if if this move pays off and that big if is if they get those big name stars if they get the if they get the Kyries and the KDs and they get a high draft pick and they make their own big three then I can I can see the I, I can see why the move they made the move if they don't 
which I tend to believe they won't because I think the Knicks are the worst run sports franchise and just in general because um, the Browns have at least gotten a semblance <laughs> of uh, relevance again. Um, what about the Raiders? I mean, the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas. They're doing something right. No. Um, but I think what I'm interested in more, because I honestly, I don't know why, I just can't stand the Knicks. Probably because I just hate New York teams, being from Philly. But um, what I'm more interested in, in uh, is Dallas. Um, now, I, was duo. Reading, I was reading an article, the interview of uh, Mark Cuban today, and he started off saying that he regretted not being able to keep Steve Nash and Dirk Nowitzki together for longer, which I think is, is a good point. Um, that could have been a very good team if they kept the band together longer. And he went on to say that I'm not going to make the same mistake with uh, KP and Luka Doncic. Um, I think from reading what I've read, it seems like KP is going to be is is going to sign that long term deal with Dallas. I think that's a place that he would he would fit in well. I don't think he's going to play the season, so he won't see until next season. But I think him and Luka. Being, a, being the top two stars on that team, it makes it an attractive place to go, especially when you have a an aggressive and a motivated owner like Mark Cuban. Um, but I... Carlisle I, Yeah, true. Um, I think that... I think that's really the only... I'd like this... I really like this trade from um, Dallas's end. I, th- I think that Luca and Przingis are... Um, I think they're going to have a lot of chemistry and that you can see that and kind of how they talk. And it seems like they're pretty good friends off the court. Um, and it's not just the fact that they're both, you know, white, soft Europeans. Um, <laughs> though, I, that was a joke because Doncic is the opposite of a white, soft European. Um, but I think it's going to look really well. And I also think that... Um, even though it's going to be the rest, just a half a season, I think both of them get influenced by probably the greatest European to ever play the game. Um, Cause I think he's going to retire after this season. I think that that could be big for um, just their career. I think he's really helped Dante. It's just because, I mean, I know he hasn't had that great of a season, but you got to respect Dirk and everything he's done for the game. And I think that he has a lot of influence. I think he has a lot of knowledge to share with both. And I, I, I am, I'm pretty excited for uh, this uh, reincarnation of the Dallas Mavericks of the the early 2000s and beyond. Yep. I think I think the NBA is better when the Mavericks are good. Um, I've always thought that, and 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 you made a good point. It makes it a more attractive place to be. I mean, I, you know, I've been watching the NBA for, you know, over twenty. And uh, Luka Doncic is, um, he is a, he is a man child. He is going to be really good. He's already good now, but you know, I think that I think pretty soon, uh, not if, if not the next two years, he's going to be a top five player in the NBA. I really think that. Um, and it, it, it makes it a more attractive place for, for people to go. I mean, you got to look at uh, who the free agents are this summer, and Dallas is going to be an attractive place to be. So, And I think that uh, Mark Cuban's going to be active in free agency, and there's going to be a few names out there, and I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas was able to land another guy. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I do think that this move that Dallas made was aggressive, but just to to Connor's and uh, to Rob's point, this was a move that is setting is setting up for big things. I think that uh, Cuban has definitely put in the focus that hey, our big our two big pillars of our organization is going to be uh, Luca and Kristaps. Uh, who knows? They might get Giannis in a couple of years to build the the greatest European team ever. Um, Jeff, I mean, is Boogie Cousins a free agent this summer? Yeah, yeah, probably going to get Boogie. Unless he'll sign another. What if Dallas? What if Dallas went out? What if Dallas landed Demarcus a healthy Demarcus Cousins? Uh, that with Demarcus Cousins at the five and Brzingis at the four, and then Doncic at the three, you get a semblance of a point guard, and oh my god. Yep. Well, I mean, don't I would not be surprised to see Demarcus Cousins in a Mavericks uniform next year. Right. I don't think Demarcus is going to be with uh, the Warriors. I mean, he's just gonna he got that he's gonna get that ring and he's gonna move on. But uh, Dallas is a type of team that would try to get Demarcus. Uh, I think that would be a very interesting fit if they can make it happen. But they do have, uh, they do have they do have some cap space to make that happen. Uh, just in, in the short term. Um, I think I think that probably Boogie's cousins has already played. He's already got his money. I think that uh, at this point he just wants to win. And like you said, I don't think he's going to be a warrior, um, especially if they're going to pay Clay Thompson the max, which I'm sure they will. And I think that uh, Durant's a free agent in the summer too. Is that right? I think I think that Durant's going to stay. I think that Durant retires a warrior. And I, like I said, like you said, I think that Cousins is gone. After this year, he's going to get his ring and go somewhere else. So uh, if uh, if Mark Cuban can sweet talk him into uh, a, a cheaper contract for the uh, you know in exchange for winning titles, I think that Dallas uh, would uh, would be a good place for him. Jeff, do you have any kind of last words? Because we're we're very close to just kind of wrapping this thing up. We're golden, man. Every, everything's good here. Okay. Um, do you guys have any just? Connor, Jeff, do you guys have any last words? Whether it be and what we've what we've talked about with the NBA or uh, just you know the, the the Chiefs, Eagles, or the NFL in general. Um, I have I have a final thought. My final thought is if Joel Embiid doesn't win the MVP this season, it's a travesty. That's all I have to say. <laughs> yeah, I think that I, the other thing I want to touch on was Max Kellerman talking about trading Joel Embiid away for Anthony Davis. Um, this might be blasphemy to somebody, but uh, Joel, I think Joel Embiid is better than Davis is right now. My man. My man. I really do. I really think, I, I tell you, man, you know, I, I, I like the Lakers team I got right now, um, but uh, I like watching Joel Embiid a lot, man. And like you said earlier, that guy talks a lot of trash, but he backs it up, and I love it. Just not when he plays against the Celtics? I'm joking. <laughs> it's all right. If the Sixers don't do any make any moves, they won't. They probably won't have to play the Celtics because they won't. They won't get. Uh, they won't get far in the playoffs. They're they're still a few pieces away. If they get one or two pieces, they uh, they have a legitimate shot at winning the Eastern Conference. But that's a big if. They gotta they gotta get pieces. I was gonna say my my primary focus will be the draft coming up. I mean, I do I do watch the NBA. Um, I, I tend to see the Sixers play a lot because I'm in Pennsylvania. And, you know, just to go along with what uh, Rob and Connor were saying, I mean, Joel Embiid picked up that moniker of being injured all the time 
but it's not necessarily statistically true anymore. Um, he's one of the best players in the league, and I mean, we'll see how the rest of the season unfolds before we hand out MVPs, but I think when he's playing well, he's the most, well, he's one of the top three most dominant players in the NBA, and he's only, I don't know that he's even peaked yet, so um, yeah, man, I mean, I, I think the Sixers are one of the teams to watch coming down the stretch, just from what I've seen. I don't know that they beat the Warriors in a seven-game series, and like Connor said, they uh, they may struggle to even get through the East, but uh, if they got hot at the right time, I don't think anybody wants to have to deal with Embiid for seven games. All right. With that, I believe it's a good time to put a bow on this episode. I would like to thank you all for coming on today. Jeff, Connor, Robert, you all did a great job breaking down your thoughts on the NBA as well as the NFL. So I look forward to hearing from you guys very soon. Have a good day.